Cam. And I'm Katie. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Today we will be reviewing The Dragon's Legacy by Deborah Wolf. Before we get started into the main part of the review, let's go ahead and mention where we can be reached. On the Twitters. The Twitters as the Nerdbook Review. The Gmails. Nerdbookreview at gmail.com. <laughs> On the Facebooks. Face space as Nerdbook Review. That is a page. And the website. Nerdbookreview.com. Goodreads? Nerdbook Review. Is that all of them? Eh, it's good, close enough. If I mean, you look, it's probably more than necessary, <laughs> but... If you Google the Nerdbook Review, you will find us. Probably. Probably. Let's go ahead and give you some book info. The book is 486 pages long and was published this year by Titan Books. It is a debut novel for Wolf and is the first in the Dragon's Legacy series. She also put out another book called The Split Feather, which is an urban fantasy series this year. All right, Katie, could you go ahead and read the (laughs) Goodreads book blurb? The last Aturan king is dying, and as his strength fades, so does his hold on saw and caw. Control of his power is a deadly lure. The emperor stirs in his forbidden city to the east, while deep in the seared lands, the whispering voices of Eth bring secret death. Eth brings death. Eth brings death. Eight men and women take their first steps along the paths to war, barely realizing that their world will soon face a much greater threat. At the heart of the world, the dragon stirs in her sleep. A warrior would become queen. A queen would become a monster. And a young boy plays his bird skull flute to keep the shadows of death at bay. Well done. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my quick take is the first book in the series is about the dragon king and his attempts to find his daughter in order to make her his heir. In order to keep a dragon from waking up and destroying everyone. Her mother is one badass sorceress who has spent the last 15 years trying to stop him from finding her. Also for... Um, The original sounds far more epic than yours. (laughs) Yeah, it clearly sounds more epic. But one thing, that is the only dragon that is in this. I am fully okay with that, but there were quite a few negative reviews that seemed to be like, what, I expected there to be a ton of dragons. I mean... It kind of mentions a dragon in the synopsis, but it just says the dragon stirs in her sleep. And depending on what you picture the lion snake thing as, I kind of saw it as like a weird... Like a worm? W-Y-R-M? No, that's a different thing. Oh. That's a different creature. This was like a two-legged lizard bird thing. Yeah. Giant lizard bird, which to me sounds kind of dragony. It's more like a snake. Lizard. Yeah, but many, I mean, think of like Chinese dragons. Yeah. It's like a giant snake with plumes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I never even thought about that. The Chinese style dragon is far more... Uh, serpent-like. Serpent-like, yeah. Getting into our thoughts on the book itself. First off, I freaking loved the book. I, this is going i probably shouldn't say this right at the beginning of the uh (laughs) (laughs) and the book's great end of review (laughs) end of review yeah no this from the very beginning i got really into it and some some even really books that i love by the end take me some time to get into 
Like right now I'm reading the woven ring that Cameron has already reviewed. And I struggled through the prologue, even though it was pretty short. And now I'm really enjoying it. But this book from the first page, I was hooked. Yeah. And first of all, the book starts off with like a really helpful glossary and a map that it looks basically like uh, Eurasia in the Middle East, just tweaked a little bit. Yeah, so it's really easy to remember where things are. It's like, oh, that's in Asia, and that's in, like, northern Africa. <laughs> yeah. Basically, what had happened was, um, are we talking a 1,000 years ago, or was it just, like, 700, 600? I, I think can't. it specifically says a 1,000 okay. at some point. So it takes place in a world that is a 1,000 years after, like, a great cataclysm, and now... It's kind of described as the world is on a decline. There aren't a lot of children born comparative to before. A lot of them don't survive. Um, they describe different kinds of creatures as kin and kith. And they're withdrawing these creatures that they are intelligent and they've had, um, I don't know how to describe it, basically. Bonds? Yeah, bonds with are kind of withdrawing and becoming more wild and less willing to live alongside the humans. And then there's also these other kind of mythical, almost human-like creatures that it doesn't get into very much, but they're also like far more removed than they were before the great cataclysm. It calls it something else. Rending? The rending. Yeah, that sounds right. It's it's been a couple weeks yeah. <laughs> since I finished the book. But so basically things are on the decline. One of the former like great kingdoms has basically been destroyed. I think in the glossary it says that some people live underground. But it hasn't really gotten into that much. Yeah, no it it says that yeah cuz it, it it's not really there's two people from there in that'll play roles in this book. But it doesn't talk at all about the cities. But yeah, it just says that they live far underground. And it's basically like just a volcanic wasteland now. I think it says that these two people are the only two people from there that anyone's ever met. Yeah. But they assume that there's more people living underground. Yeah. So this book is going to be set. uh, It's going to have, first off, it's going to have a ton of points of view. But I felt like the points of view were done um, like just wonderfully. They wove together really well. So it, it's telling one story from different points of view rather than telling a bunch of different stories in different places necessarily. Yeah. I don't feel like there were a lot of locations, but you were seeing, so maybe two characters that are interacting, you would see some scenes from one point of view and some scenes from the other point of view. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. And a lot of times what would happen is as soon as you got done with one character's point of view, that would be like an interaction with another character. Then when they got done talking, it would pick up where another person started talking or where like another person started doing something that was important. And so it kind of like they used each character had a limited point of view and a limited knowledge they weren't omniscient you know the the, there wasn't a narrator who was omniscient in this case and so the different characters just wove that together basically yeah and it did it definitely had a lot of times where it ended the point of view 
in a very ambiguous state for that character. So kind of like in George R. R. Martin in A Song of Ice and Fire, there are so many times where he makes you think that like, oh yeah, Arya's dead. Yeah. And you just never know until it comes back again. On this one, she's very good at making things really ambiguous at the end of a chapter. And some of those you don't get a resolution until far later or even not in this book. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Most of the points of view are going to be in several times. There's only like one or two that only have one, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's nice that that way you have that narrative that's continuing on as well. I think that when if you have like 30 points of view and you have 30 different people or, you know, like 18 different people, then it's (laughs) hard to follow. But in this case, there was five or six that were there a lot. Mm-hmm. And then a few that only had a few, you know. Yeah. And there was one that I was really interested in. And he had like three or four. I think it was four. But based on the title of the next book, I think he's going to be in that one a lot more. Yeah. Because this one generally takes place in two places. The Zira is... It's like a big old desert. Yeah. Think of the Middle East, basically. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought of it as, and it's the same, it's set up in a tribal set system as well, which is really cool. It's set instead of the uh, the current Middle East, which is basically men controlling everything, the women dominate this. This is a totally matriarchal society. The women are the warriors. The men are expected to stay home and take care of the children once the women have the child. Well, they also, they're not just taking care of the children. They're taking care of everyone like they're in charge of protecting the the village and things yeah however one thing i liked about this is a lot of because this is written by women a lot of women will be like well if women were in charge everything would be better but it's more like no when you're in charge you're in charge yeah you know whether you're a man or a woman the men wear like they cover their heads and they cover their whole bodies kind of like in a almost religious thing they're subservient to the women yeah so it's basically for the just most reverse part, yeah just reverse <laughs> well and, and that's even like even sexuality is completely different not only is it in general freer for both because it's the women but it's what is it the women get to choose their first to lose their virginity to as long as the man's mother agrees yeah <laughs> yeah and the well, I think he agrees too. He but, has to agree too, yeah. But, but the mother, they have to ask the mom. That's the more important part. Yeah. So that that does happen. And the other thing too, Katie just started to mention at the beginning is that in this society, a big thing is being chosen by basically a giant saber-toothed cat who but like, is sentient. It's like a saber-toothed lion though because they mentioned manes. Okay. Yeah, but they're like lion. <laughs> One of the big fantasy elements in this story is that there are a lot of other sentient well, beings. They call them greater predators, right? I'd say that's the wrong way to describe them because most people would say that our larger animals and many smaller animals are also sentient. Okay. These are intelligent. What is it when you can speak through your mind or like read minds? <laughs> Telekinesis? Telekinesis? Or is that when you move? Uh, that's when you move that's stuff. That's when you move stuff. Uh, telepathy. Telepathy. There uh, you are. They're telepathic intelligent animals that have their own society that live alongside and also outside of the Xeranim, the people that live in the, and actually they're not tribal. They call them their pride. Yeah. So they also take 
feline approach to their yeah so and society. and but the men can be chosen as well and men are men like katie said they still train you know a lot of them will train and become warriors they're the protector they're called wardens and they protect the tribes while the women are the ones that actually form like armies and go off and fight but at this point society it has decayed so much that they're that every year the population is getting smaller and smaller. So we're not talking like giant armies anymore. And even the Zira are having problems with slavers encroaching upon them. The Zira is the desert. The desert, yeah. Or the Zira Nim. Oh, sorry. Even the Zira Nim are having problems with like slavers and things like that. And the, as just as a general rule, the world is kind of just going to pieces, basically. The, that saw and Ka with the Atolan king, who's the, called the Dragon King, he basically needs to control that and to keep the dragon from waking up. And that is failing a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. And the dragon is stirring, basically, is the best way to put that. Still asleep. But if the dragon does manage to wake up, then everyone's in trouble. Yeah. Well, basically, I think it says, just, like, no one will survive if that happens. Yeah. And the the sun dragon is calling to his mate in this in the earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, there is one outlier point of view character as Katie said that she's really interested in and we think is going to be the main person based on the the name of the uh the next book. I think it's called The Forbidden City, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we have a character whose name is Jing or Jiang or however you would say it in what is prop- probably Chinese. Um, he. I don't know. I took Japanese, not Chinese. <laughs> and I took Greek, so not helpful at all here. Mm-hmm. So the uh, this one outlier point of view is showing us a little bit of a window into the other major kingdom at this point, the, the major, major empire, I guess. And the way that these guys train is, um, and our, our character, he's a Dei Chen. Is that how you said it? Yeah. Yeah, and... They are the offspring of a human woman and a day, which is kind of like, I kind of took them to think of kind of like a fairy, like a jinn in the Middle Eastern. Yeah, and it seems like there are different races of the day. Yeah. Different so, societies. Yeah. I feel like I we're know. kind of jumping around a, a little bit too much here with the other sentient things, but basically there are a ton of them. You're going to have the ones that are almost human-like, but have special powers, the ability to use magic, and then you're going to have an awful lot of ones that are called the greater predators. That's where the, the cats, the like saber-toothed lions come in. The Vashai. The Vashai. Uh, the, even that snake, the, uh, what was it? Lion snake? They yeah. have, they're intelligent and have the ability to, to think and talk. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's, so there's just a ton of them. There's some that are human-like. There's some that are, you know, animals, basically, that just happen, that we would think of as animals. that just happen to also be, you know, on the same level of intelligence and ability to communicate as humanity has. The book really just throws you into it. And I really like that. It's, it doesn't spend a bunch of time explaining everything it puts the glossary in the front so you know it's there it's not fully comprehensive because that's too spoilery so it would go back you could go back and forth and that is one thing that some of the bad reviews on goodreads said was well i didn't understand what this was and i looked back it's i mean if you just keep reading if it's not explained properly i think you'll catch on or it will be explained in the next one and we're not supposed to know yet yeah the world building in this is just great like she really throws you in there 
and it feels full. It feels like it's a a real world, a real place, and like around every corner is something like crazy that could happen because it's a horribly dangerous place. Yeah, basically, here's the way I put it when I have described this to other people is is that sometimes when I'm reading a book, my ego will tell me that I could write that book if I had enough time and effort. This, however, is a book that as soon as I started reading, I realized like she's has that it factor. She's writing on a different level where she is making a world truly come alive and feel real. She's not just putting words on a page or telling a simple story. Like she's a, a real like bard of words, you know, like I, I mentioned that with Patrick Rothfuss or uh, George R. R. Martin, or I, I really do feel like if she can replicate this continuing on past just this book, you know, I mean, this was her first one. And if she can continue that, I feel like she's on that level of writing and the just storytelling. Well, in this, another thing it has in common with those is it's something that you could write so many stories in this world in different times. Yeah. Like once she's done with this series, I hope she does. Yeah. Like it's that interesting and it's that well described already. Yeah. It makes me want to know more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I and I know, like, you know, for a fact that I could never replicate this, you know, yeah. like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so, I really have a hard time describing that it factor. I say that all the time, like, this author has that it factor, you know, and I don't really, I can't really describe it, but just that, like, sometimes when you're reading a book and you look at the way they're writing and the way the words flow and the way the world is built, and you just know that they were meant to be an author. And that's kind of like how I felt just immediately. As soon as I started reading this book, I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be amazing. I just yeah, hope... Yeah, that's... I think I was 20% and I was like, hey, Cameron, is this a series? And I started reading it first. He's like, uh, I think so. Would it be bad if it wasn't? I'm like, no, but I just really wanted it to be. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you think we need to add, like specifically to tell the story of the book? Or are, are we kind of past that point um i think just the plot is it it starts off and it has kind of a flash a short flashback for the beginning and then it jumps ahead in time and it's kind of a story of it seems in this book because as we said it some of the uh, point of views aren't as big in this one it's kind of a story of a woman that's just become, you know, a warrior. She's become a woman in her, the eyes of her people and her slightly estranged mother and kind of finding her family. And that just happens to be an extremely powerful dragon King that she didn't know was her father and has never met, but also a sibling and, you know, kind of, so the book starts off with a short flashback and then it goes ahead into the Zira and the Zira Nim and it's a woman that's just become a warrior kind of on the precipice of everything in her life that she's ever wanted and her estranged mother and kind of goes from there and there's and a she, bunch she's of She's kind of estranged. She didn't grow up with her. She didn't live with her. Well, no, but none of the women live with their mothers. They live in the the youth. Yeah, but she she basically says that Ani was her mo- like was like a mother. Oh yeah, you're right. And her mom has like 
she doesn't even think has any emotion for her. Yeah. But I mean, so. her mom, you know, we find out pretty early on her mom is trying to protect her yeah. from her father. And not because her father's going to harm her, but because she thinks she's going to basically be destroyed by the power. And uh, There are a few things that sounded like things that he would make her do might harm her, though. Well, yeah. But it's kind of one of those, it's going to harm her for the good of humanity, is yeah. what I what I took more. Yeah. So... So uh, Katie's basically right. Like she's mostly estranged, but her mom, what she's been doing this whole time is protecting her from either assassination attempts or kidnapping attempts or all, all who knows, all who sorts knows? of shit. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff. <laughs> but her mom, one thing, sorry that we, I can't believe we didn't describe it all, and we really need to get into before we get to our other stuff is the magic. Oh yeah, lots I can't of believe magic. we didn't talk about that yeah. yet. There are a ton of different magic systems, mm-hmm. and none of them are super complicated. Basically, you have an innate ability. You either can sense the saw and ka, or you can't. And there are different magic systems. So there's going to be her mom is what's called a, a shadow walker or a dream walker. No, he dream weaver. Dreamweaver. Dream, is it dream? It's, that's not Dreamweaver. Isn't it? It's Dreamwalker. I'm pretty Shadow sure. Shadow Weaver. Shadow Walker. Shadow Weaver. Shadow Weaver. Her mom. Her, <laughs> mo- her mom is. It's been a few weeks. Yeah, I wrote this down. Did you though? I did. Where? I swear I talk about her mom specifically. Well, yeah, probably on one of the pages I threw on the ground already, because I skim your notes. Dream Shifter. Oh, okay. Dream Shifter. Okay. So, yeah. So, her mom is a... Oh, I think the... The other ones were Shadow. The ones from Kabbalah. Right? Karabala. Karabala. Yeah. Okay. So, but anyways, there's a ton of different magic systems. Her mom is what's called a Dream Shifter. She actually can physically go into dreams, uh, into... It's like the dreamland. Yeah. So it's an actual place. And I kind of got the feeling that maybe it was even explicitly said, but that there's other existences, other planes of reality. Yeah, it's like each of the different magics, and I'm not sure if it's necessarily your, what you're innately born with or if it's what you are, learn mm-hmm. based on where you live. Like, I don't know if she could have, if she was born in Karabala, been the shadow weaver or whatever the other people See, are. I got the sense that that could have been the case. Yeah. But that's the, what the, I felt too. That the ones in the Forbidden City from that were yeah, born no, of Day they Chen, were, they were. Theirs was genetic. Yeah, theirs is genetic. And I think the other ones are genetic too, but in this case, it's because you're only half human. Yeah. For like Jiang. But, but then, oh yeah, this was another thing that it was like the world is on the decline is that. There are more and more people that can't even sense the, what is it, like the songs or whatever? This, the general feeling is is of a decaying world. I, I kind of look at it like it's like grim dark light. <laughs> it's on the darker side of things, but it's also more of like an epic fantasy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's on a different scale than, you know, just your average <laughs> novel. I mean, it's really going, I think that if she can just carry it on, it's going to be just amazing. There's lots of different magic. It's an innate thing. And it's described so well and so vividly. It's not like something that is, that's super hard to understand even, you know, 
It's not like no one's throwing out crazy spells and people are either stronger or weaker, you know, based on their ability. But it's, I don't know, I just found it to be such a cool, like, mixing of things. And also, one thing, too, it's, aside from the king, most of them aren't so crazy powerful that they can't be stopped by a warrior, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, her mom's a dream shifter, and if the if her victim's sleeping, well, then they're screwed. But awake, she doesn't have any more power than whatever she's trained as a warrior, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, that was a cool thing to me that that the magic isn't overpowering. I mean, there are a few people who are overpowering with their magical ability, like the king, for example. But even he could probably be taken down by, you know, an assassin or or a warrior. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. It's It's, hard. It it doesn't go into that enough, I think, to really judge, but I'm sure somehow. All right. So... On our recommendation phase, I think we've pretty much been saying how we feel the entire time on the, did we like it and how did so it make... So, obviously, we're not a fan. <laughs> Terrible book. Terrible. DNF. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just loved the book so much. It was just... I mean, I really can't say enough good things about just how skilled of, an, of a storyteller I felt like Wolf is. And we haven't actually said, do we even say it was Deborah Wolf at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh, okay. Just making sure. But I mean, I just found the world to be so fleshed out. Her world building was just so amazing. And, you know, I'm always talking about how I visualize a, a book as opposed to just feeling like I, I just read the words. And, and I really felt like I could understand what was going on in the world i felt like i could visualize the like the you know the the pile of bones or whatever the that what was the bones of f yes, yes bones of f i mean i felt like i could just imagine that and i felt like i could imagine the creatures that were there and all that kind of stuff like i just felt like i was literally having a movie in my head while i was reading this yeah also as we said the having a lot of point of view characters can be difficult but I feel like she just weaved them together so well that it was a plus to have that many points of view as opposed to a, a negative thing. Yeah, the only thing I would get confused about side characters that weren't point of view characters sometimes. And it would take me like half the book to remember who that person was. <laughs> it took me a few tries like to get the like the mis- the youth mistress and I think that when the when the warden that she had her thing with mm-hmm. was with her, it was when it really made it, you know, me like easier for me. And mm-hmm. sometimes the name of like the, the first mother and, the, you know, those kind of yeah. things. But those it, ones were actually easier for me than like the shadow people. And, oh, really? Yeah. Some of the other like city characters. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't like a, a something that took away from it because it, sometimes I wouldn't remember the name very well, but the title always was, you know, something that I understood. Yeah. It is one thing that you are going to have to actually get some some extra words and things like that. You'll have to, you know, remember. Yeah. And I I like that about these kinds of things that, you know, when there's some kind of a ceremony, sure, it has its own name. Maybe they've adopted this common language that everyone uses but their bond is still called like the zira vashani or whatever you know 
their ceremony still has the original name, whatever it is, because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it's it's late. Uh, we had our put our son to bed late, and then I already <laughs> fell asleep once while he was falling asleep. <laughs> yes, so I really do feel I really feel like we should apologize a little, or I should at least in some case, where I'm like, oh, this book's so amazing, and then I'm like, I can't remember a simple name. <laughs> but, but yeah, and it also. One thing I think uh, I on her bio I read that uh, Deborah Wolf actually worked as a Arabic translator at one point, mm-hmm. so that kind of is where you can see that culture coming into play. And speaking of that, I loved that we had the Arabic culture, but with the women in charge. And I just loved the matriarchy. That, as Katie said, they're still flawed, it, but it didn't make them catty. It made them. They're going to vie for power. They're going to do things that are evil, but they're not doing them just to, like a, just to be mean. They're doing them because they think that it's honestly what's best for the tribes well, or the prides. One thing that is tough for some people to get past when women are in charge, is, especially when they're warriors, is the having the children. And in this one, it is. It's they're ba- they breed. And then they have the kids and then they all go to, I mean, at a certain age, the, the dads raise them or yeah. the men, not necessarily the dads, I don't even know. And then they go to like the youth youth mistress to be trained and raised. Yeah. And then also and having children is the one of the biggest things you can do, like one of the most celebrated things. Yeah. Well, and as we said, it's, there's not a lot of people having children anymore in fact, I think they said it's like one in four or one in five now. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, a lot of women, they they're want... They're barren. Yeah, they're barren. So you, you get rid of that in terms of of having that issue in, in some cases where the women, you know, the women can't get pregnant anyway. So being a warrior isn't an impediment. And this is one thing, too, that will kind of be an issue between like the outlanders and the real tribes people. That for the most part, they're prides people. The, sorry, the prides <laughs> people. They will. They they accept children who aren't part of the the pride or who aren't you know uh, ethnically from the pride because yeah. they're just trying to keep their numbers up. And they talk about a census multiple times that they do every year, where every the men do the census. The men do the <laughs> census, and every year more people die than are born, and so it's an issue. The um, so I love the cultures. I, you know, thought that the matriarchy thing was just done so well and so much fun. And this is the first time in a while where I have the, how did it make us feel thing? And I I feel like I actually, I mean, I was just so enthralled. I cared for the characters. I felt like the world was so real. And I really did feel like there was a moral quandary in a lot of cases, you know, and that I care since I cared for the characters. If something happened to them, then I, f- you know, I was like, oh, that's terrible, you know. Yeah, and there were even early on, really early on, one of the main characters had something happen that I was like, and it's something that before reading the first few chapters, I wouldn't have thought like, oh, that's terrible. But I was like, oh no, like, what's gonna happen? Like, can yeah. they f- can can that? how do you get a no why (laughs) and it was it was really early on and i it was i was just so into it already and throughout the book there are a lot of things that 
are not necessarily good things that happen to the characters. And I'm, it's really emotional. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, she'll go straight up Martin on a character too. There are, you know, she's not afraid to kill off people that you care about. Nope. Nope. Uh, would, it, would we recommend it to others? Nope. Nope, not I, at all. Nope, this 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 clearly isn't fit for other con- for human consumption. <laughs> <laughs> if you love fantasy, then I think this is a must read. I'm not going, I mean, for as much as we love this book, I'm not going to deny that there aren't going to be people who won't like the book. I think that... Such as all the people that are like, where are the dragons at? Yeah. Or if you, if you're out for a popcorn read, this isn't it. Like, go read something else. This is a Martin level epic and sometimes it's depressing. Yeah. The the book's not going to be all, all a good time. And I guess, I mean, I think that the people who don't like this book, I can see, you know, I can understand where they're going to be coming from in some cases, but if you don't like a book that makes you think, then you're probably (laughs) not, I don't know. I don't know how to say it without insulting someone. Well, and that's one thing that really bothered me was all the people who were like, there says dragon in the name. Why isn't there any dragons? I thought this was going to be a dragon book. All right. How many times have you read a book and the title is literally like a concept from it? Yeah. There's more dragon in this than there's that concept in those books. Like it's not, it's <laughs> not literal every time. And it explains it to you in the synopsis. Yes. So get over it. Read the synopsis. I mean, I've many times read books without reading the synopsis, but I don't get mad because I didn't read the synopsis. I say, yeah, well, I mean, maybe it's my fault. I didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm saying that with a book that I just got done reading. That's basically what's considered like a noble bright quote that it wasn't my book, <laughs> but it was my fault for not reading the synopsis. And even though I didn't like the book, I'm not going to rate it negatively because it clearly wasn't meant for me in the first place. And I read it and I'm, you know, about to do an interview with the author and we're going to talk about that and the the difference between Noble Bright and, and just the different categories and why you would write that way. But I'm, you know, that's my fault. I'm <laughs> 100% my fault. I guess this is one of those cases where when I was talking to... Uh, Amanda Justice is that sometimes a writer, a reader wants a book to be a, di- a certain way and when it's not that way, then they punish it. And so I think that's kind of where some of these reviews, you know, we're getting into. And I mean, I'm sure that Martin has his fair share of negative reviews as well, you know. So anyways, I just feel like this is, it's going to be hard for Unless like Blackwing or something that I that everyone seems to love that I read in the next week or two is coming up, I don't see how I'm going to choose anything other than this book as my favorite book of the year. Yeah, I mean Red Sister is amazing and it's right up there, and I've got a few others. Yeah, I think for me it's between this and The Stone Sky, but it's a first book is always so much more exciting than the third book in the series to me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and one of these days, maybe Jemison will unblock me on Twitter. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't get your hopes I'm up. I'm not getting my hopes up. <laughs> well, I guess one thing I should say, though, is I don't know if this is quite Malazan level complex for anyone out there who might be thinking, like, 
Oh, I'm not even going to get into this because it's that. There's just some names to remember. Yep. <laughs> it's not that bad. No, no. Yeah, like I said, not quite Malazan level, but definitely a Song of Ice and Fire level. Well, and the map is super easy to remember, like we said earlier, to keep track of in your head because it's basically just a section of our world. Oh, yeah. And there was Goodreads reviews that were like, oh, it's just a derivative map. Yeah, well, it's a whole lot nicer than when you have to figure out a whole bunch of random stuff. I, I wonder how many people are like, oh, D- Westeros is just Great Britain, basically. Yeah. And you know what? It's People know where stuff is. King's <laughs> Landing is basically where London is. And it's it's like, oh, that's not terrible, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's fun to make a map and stuff. But when someone's reading and they're like, oh, where was this tiny place in relation to everything else? Oh, I have to flip back, which is a lot more obnoxious and Kindle. Yeah. It's a lot easier to just make it convenient. Yeah. So last thing on the, uh, how are you going to rate this one, Katie? I'm going to go ahead and say it's about a five, six star. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I wish that Goodreads made a five plus because if they did, I would rate this a five plus. My rating goes to 11. (laughs) Crank it up. Was that a little spinal tap there? Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> All right. So on the last thing that we always talk about, the main audience and who should and shouldn't read it, clearly this is an adult novel. I think that a mature teen could read it just fine. I mean, there's clearly some adult concepts. There's a little bit of sex. There is some violence and there's some foul language, all that good stuff. But I think that the bigger issue you would have as like a teenager is more along the lines of like comprehension and just the ability to see the nuance and things. Well, and this is somewhere we might mention something that is a little bit um, spoilery because it's in the second half of the book. But there is also a uh, unwanted sexual encounter. Yes. So. Yep. As long as we don't really mention specifically who. then. But yeah. And so the, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's high fantasy in a grimdark setting. There's plenty of other sentient races, those cats, a host of other nightmarish creatures. So, you know, a little bit more of a mature audience for sure. I don't think she's writing for a young adult (laughs) by any means. I'd say no. This is not that kind of coming of age story. No, it is not. (laughs) So, what's happening next time? (laughs) Next time, I will have an author interview. Probably M.L. Spencer with her book, Darkstorm. (laughs) I'm far more certain of that than I, I... I have a board now where I wrote all this stuff down. And then our next book review will be Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames is going to be with Casey again. Ah, good old Casey. Good old Casey. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. And that one, there might be a little bit of disagreement even. Dun, dun, dun. Dang. Dang. All righty then. Well, thank you all so very much for listening, and I hope you have a good one. Bye.